Hi, and welcome to the Kelowna Girl Tries podcast. I'm Barb, and this is episode 96, Monday, May 23rd, 2011. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, everybody. I am back. Uh, it's only been two days since I recorded my last show, but that's just the way it's going to go. Okay, I got a lot of things to, to get on the show today, uh, including my race report from my wine capital of Canada sprint triathlon that I did end up doing. I uh, got some questions that I want to answer from the Kelowna Girl Tries podcast listeners group on Facebook. Going to talk a little bit about the peak block in the training because that's where I'm in the middle of right now. We got a race report from Todd who just finished his first triathlon and did an extremely good job and a few shout outs as well. So let's just get started. Yeah. So, you know, if you read my blog, you probably know I was kind of up and down about whether or not I wanted to do this race, uh, mainly because the, really the purpose of the race was just to get an open water swim in the same lake and just to kind of have fun. I wasn't really looking to go too hard on the run because I wanted to make sure I babied my legs so they're ready for the the half iron, which is now only two weeks away. But uh, the lake has been really cold. The weather's been um, cold all spring, and the lake has not warmed up. And I wasn't really sure if I was actually going to do the race until the day before. Since I'd already paid for it and had a hotel booked and everything, uh, we went down. And I kind of prepared as if I was going to race. Got my wetsuit on the day before, went down into the lake. It was 13 and a half Celsius, which I think is just under under 60. I think it was... Oh, let me just see. Hang on. Speed, temperature, 13. Oh, yeah, it's cold. 56. So it was 56 Celsius. And uh, but and it took me like, I don't know, 10 minutes before I could finally get myself into the water. Hands and feet were really cold. Had felt cold too, but I had two swim caps on. I swam about, I don't know, maybe 10 strokes. Enough to convince myself that, yes, I could do the race. So I was committed. Went back to a hotel and had my usual relaxing evening, kind of taking it easy. I always bring my dinner with me, and I always eat the same thing every time. Um, I, I, I grill some chicken breast, plain chicken breast, usually uh, with a little lemon or something on it, so it's kind of like um, Greek chicken, whatever it's called. And I usually buy pre, pre-cooked rice that's in a package that doesn't need to be refrigerated. I always try to stay in a hotel that has a fridge and a microwave. But otherwise, I'm content to eat it cold because I actually like cold food. And Eric went out and got himself a burger and fries. Well, I ate my chicken and rice and I had a banana and I ate a few graham crackers for dessert. And that was kind of my evening. We just really kicked back and relaxed. It was nice. Got all my bottles of um, fluids and all that kind of stuff all ready to go and all my clothes laid out and things packed up the way I was going to do. The weather was not looking too good. It was overcast, a chance of showers, and it was pretty cool. So I knew I was going to end up needing some extra clothes. I ended up putting things in super large Ziploc bags so that my clothes wouldn't get wet. My running shoes wouldn't get wet when they were in transition. So that's a little tip for you. Um, The clear plastic large Ziploc bags are awesome for that kind of thing. Uh, Got up about 5.45, I think. Left the hotel at 6.30. Transition opened up at 7. So, we, of course, we had to check out before we left. and But that was quick and easy. And it takes about 20 minutes to drive to um, Oliver from Asoyas, where we were staying. Uh, we stopped at Tim Horton so Eric could have a coffee. And we got there right on time. It's not too big a race. Pretty small, especially this year with it being cold. Not too many. Um, there are fewer people in the race than there was in previous years. This race used to be done in June. Um, then they moved it back into May because people were wanting a race that they could kind of have a practice race before the half iron. But I think they're going to move it back to June, it sounds like, for next year because it's only been in May for the last three years. Well, this is my third year of doing this race. Because it's a small race and uh, kind of meant for beginners, It's um, I don't have too hard of a time of of placing in this particular race. There were only five women in my age group and they're all, you know, just kind of 
not super serious hardcore athletes just out there to have a good time and everyone's uh, quick in their particular area but I had uh, done really super well last year like I just I had no intention of even coming close to my last year's time which was 123 something my goal was to have a who knows what kind of swim because I had not I've only swum three times this year and so I figured I was going to lose about two minutes on the swim I was kind of hoping for 18 minute or less swim even though usually I'll do 16 or something and I figured I'd go really hard on the bike and then I'd go easy to medium on the run I kind of figured about maybe a six minute kilometer on the run that was my goal and mainly because I usually did it like a 5.30 or something, but I just didn't want to push my luck. My shins have been a little touchy, but they're I'm babying them and I'm able to continue running. Things are going really well right now. Yeah, so got out there and uh, got myself in the water. It was even colder the next morning. We started at 8. The water was even colder than it was the day before. So that was just super. But, you know, you get that race pressure and I managed to get out there, get underwater and then I did that about five minutes before the race started because I did not want to be standing there shivering with uh, too long of a warm-up. And then I just got in there and swam. And I was actually pretty happy. I did 17.35, and that includes running all the way out up to the timing mat. So probably, I'm going to guess I swam probably a little under 17 minutes. So it wasn't as bad as I expected, you know. Uh, problem was this last, last year they had wetsuit strippers, even though it was a sprint, uh, they had some that were in sort of in training. So it was really cool. I was able to get my wetsuit pulled off this year. No such luck got up to transition and it's pretty cold. So now not only do I have to take off my own wetsuit, but I'm also going to have to put some clothes on because I cannot go out there in uh, a tank top, which is what I usually wear. In fact, I knew that ahead of time, so I just had a sports bra and my tri shorts on underneath my wetsuit since I knew I was going to put a jersey on. Tried to get it, <laughs> my back dried off, but oh my God, it's just like you feel like a little kid. You just start pulling this thing on, and even though you've dried off, your skin is still damp, and it just everything all of a sudden just rolls all up my back, and I'm trying to tug at it and tug at it. Meanwhile, I haven't got the lower half of my wetsuit off, and I know that's bad because I should have pulled that off as soon as I got up there while it was still um, had water in it. Slowly, the water's draining out, and having water inside your wetsuit does enable it to come off a lot easier. Well, um, that was doubled with the problem with my uh, hip. I can't uh, pull my leg to the side. I can't reach my foot very well and pull, so it took me, I'm going to say, at least at least two full minutes to get my left foot out of my wetsuit this is not good because you know normally I would take two minutes or less to have that entire transition be on my bike and uh, by now I was like well into three and a half minutes or something and because it was so cold I decided I'm going to put socks on which I don't normally wear socks in my bike shoes but my feet were freezing and of course they don't go on smooth and easy over wet feet either which is why I never wear socks in my bike shoes I find that uh, after the bike, it's pretty easy to put them on, even though I'm a little bit sweaty. It's just easier to put them on after the bike instead of before. However, all of that is my big, huge um, excuses as to why I had such horrendous, horrendous transition time. T1 was a little over five minutes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, trust me, I lost because of that bad transition. Got out on the bike, uh, felt great just hammered on the bike uh was flabbergasted and shocked to find out that I was actually slower than last year on the bike go figure I felt really good I went out there I was passing people left and right I passed like six people going up the big hill um just that just seems to be my strength um at least with the average beginner triathletes I'm not quite that fast when I'm out with the uh, hardcore people (laughs) but uh, in a sprint I can usually do pretty well on the bike anyways Felt uh, good, got the, got the bike done, and then on to the run. And my legs just felt super, like no heaviness, no lead. And I had to really work hard to keep my pace down because I just felt like going out and doing a, you know, a 27-minute 5K, which I knew was not a smart thing to do. Might have My legs might have been able to handle it, but I knew I just shouldn't push my luck. I, I just have pretty well, every time I have a race like that, I'm always... Um, 
baby in my shins and I can't run for about two weeks after. So I felt pretty, pretty happy with myself that I was able to govern myself. And uh, I still ran faster than a 30 minute 5k. I think I did 28, 45 or something. But uh, yeah, pretty good. Pretty happy over time. The only thing was my goal time was like an hour 30. And that was like my outside uh, worst case scenario goal time. As long as I was under 130, I didn't care, right? But I was kind of thinking I'd be probably, I don't know, between 126 to 128 or something was sort of where I figured I'd be. And uh, I didn't even make the 130. I was 130, 41, 41 seconds. And I kind of noticed that when I was about one and a half K out left of my run. And I realized, jeez, I'm going to have to really kick ass in this last kilometer to be able to meet my 130 and there's a little bit of hills there too not much but just a bit anyway despite all my efforts I still was a little about 40 41 seconds slower than my uh, goal but given that this was a C race or perhaps even a D race I probably could have just skipped it totally I would have been fine uh, I'm real happy I had fun it was great I really and afterwards I just love being down at a race place especially after a race it's just so exciting I just feel like I could just race every weekend then you know I love it love it anyways um oh and I I got uh, second place in my age group woohoo um and before you get too excited you know keep in mind it's you know it's really easy to um get a win in your age group in that in that particular race it's a very small race and lots of beginners so I don't really revel in it too much I could have a way faster time and get 10th place in the apple so <laughs> um and the only downside of this was that uh I've I got first in last year and third the year before and I was um <clears throat> excuse me I was uh Looking forward to getting second because you get a wine glass and I'd have the whole set. I kind of wanted to get second place this year, so I'd have a set of first, second, and third wine glasses. And this year they switched over to giving medals. Well, it's actually a really nice medal and I like it, but um, yeah, it was kind of funny. Anyways, uh, so good time. Enjoyed the race and uh, you know what? I felt pretty good after. I, I really didn't have any bad uh, negative effects, so I think that's probably the most important thing. Uh, so let me talk a little bit about my training for the last month. And I know I'm not going to bore you with the details of every workout, but, uh, the last show that I did just before my, the last one I just did, I didn't talk about my training at all, but since, um, April 24th, I think was the last one I was, I had a couple of build weeks in there. And of course I've been trying to, like, I really had to switch my training around quite a bit because of, um, because of the various races that I had it thrown in there. So I didn't really get to follow it as closely as I wanted. And then after I did that uh, half marathon, I was babying my shins off and on, and then I had some the groin pain and stuff. And so some of my runs got cut back a little bit. Um, I ended up, I'm just kind of looking, I, I did a couple runs a week, but um, just... Uh, some of them were just like, I just felt terrible. Like I was out after work and my run would just be an awful run, you know? And then uh, I'd have a, so my midweek weren't, runs weren't very good, but I did do two long bricks on the, on, in Oliver, um, uh, two weekends in a row. So that was like May, I think it was May 1st and May 8th or something like that. And it was great. I really, uh, felt good out there. The first one I did was super windy. I think I mentioned that one. Let me just look at my calendar here. Yeah. Uh yeah, so I did I did that one that I mentioned already and then I um did another one where we we went down and and rode the course and I I didn't ride the entire course. I rode almost all of it, 80 81 kilometers. It took me 3 hours and 20 minutes. It was a little bit windy in some sections. Even though I was pushing pretty hard, my time and my average pace wasn't as hard as it is on the race. And uh, part of it, part of that is due to the fact uh, that it was windy in sections. But, you know, I also feel like my biking just isn't as strong right now as it has been in the past. Probably because I just didn't bike enough in the winter and we had a real late spring. So I just can't really, I just don't find I'm effective enough on the trainer. I just don't do it enough. Um, so that could be part of it. So time will tell. I, I, I might be surprised myself, but uh, I suspect that my bike time on this upcoming half iron will be slower than last time. Then I did a 5k run right after and 
I kept a 614 pace and that was, I felt great. And that was right on the course as well. A little bit hilly there. And uh, yeah, felt really good. Then I had a couple more crappy runs. So in the meantime, I was trying to build up my long run again because my long run has been um, really cut back since uh, the half half marathon. So I managed to get my run up to, I did 16K, which is 10 miles. And I did that in an hour, about an hour and 45 minutes. And I felt pretty good on it. In fact, I think I wrote down, I felt great. It wasn't a really fast run, but... Um, I think I was happy enough to be able to run that far. And by the way, without orthotics. So I've been without orthotics for all my runs now. And uh, I've done two, yeah, I got a 130 and a 145. So I think I'm kind of over the hurdle. And then, of course, the following week was my um, triathlon. <clears throat> the few days coming up to the try, my shins were pretty sore and I had a crappy run. So I, I didn't get out there and do as much uh, running as I probably would have if I didn't have that race um, the week that weekend but I did take the dogs up and I went up hiking up in the in the hills behind my house a couple of days and I also hit the pool twice and did some kind of better pool workouts so I was feeling good uh, and then I I've now begun what's called peak the peak uh, training there's peak one and peak two and it's basically a two-week session and actually, what I want to do, I'm just going to grab my book, because in the book, Your Best Triathlon, which is what I've been following, and let me grab my, my reading glasses, because I am an old lady. God, I can't believe, I can't believe I need reading glasses. How pathetic. Anyways, getting back to the beginning, there's a couple of sections in here I just actually wanted to read, because he doesn't have a taper in his book. What he has is, if you start, as you start the peak block, I'm reading directly out of the book, you should have three weeks remaining until your A priority race. The first two of these are the peak block, and the third week is the race block. And altogether, this encompasses what we normally call as a taper. He doesn't like calling it a taper, though, because um, it kind of, he feels that's sort of misleading. He said, uh... Although it's true you will taper your volume in the peak block, that's not all you'll do for the next two weeks. If it was, you'd likely have a poor race. The key to racing well for the experienced and competitive triathlete is to is training intensity. And tapering says nothing about this. So um, what are you going to be doing? I just want to see if there's anything else I want to read here. Oh, yeah. Um He's developed this approach to tapering over 30 years of experience, blah, 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 blah. All it involves is reducing the volume of training over the course of two weeks while doing a mini race simulation workout every third day. This means that between the race simulations, there are two full days of recovery. By following this method during the peak period, as um, that you will come into excellent race form on race day. And that's it. And uh, he's got some five main objectives for the peak period. Uh, one, make your hard workouts mini race simulations. Uh, basically, he's got four bricks in this two-week period, um, starting with the first one, which was for me was last was supposed to be last Friday, which was sort of the end of that first week. I actually did it on Saturday though, because I was at the bar drinking on Friday. <laughs> to be honest. Um, and then uh, two of those bricks are focused on the bike and two of them are focused on the run. So I'll tell you a little bit more about them after. Then he says, rest and recover completely for each of these mini race simulations. Uh, another goal is to reduce long-term fatigue gradually. Also practice and refine transitions and prepare a race plan. And then he's got a bunch of coaching tips for this peak period. Um, he talks a lot about mindset and the mental preparation that's important. Uh, for a lot of people, cutting back um, a lot makes them really nervous and uncomfortable and could be anxious or guilty. I know everybody that I know on Twitter and Facebook and Daily Mile is always stressing out about taper. Uh, I have this really lazy um, aspect of my personality, so I don't really get stressed out about tapering. I look forward to having some time off from all this training that I try to fit into my daily life. So it just doesn't seem to bother me in any way, but uh, I know I'm unique and most people do get stressed out. 
He talks about the fact that you really, you must, must cut back in volume and then do these short, hard workouts. But um, by resting a lot in between them, either doing nothing or doing some recovery, like absolute uh, heart rate zone one uh, recovery rides and that sort of thing, uh, you need to lose this fatigue that you've built up over the last few months. He gets a whole unit uh, section here and talking about nutrition and the importance of nutrition. And then talking about your race plan. And I'm going to talk about race plan next week um, when I uh, when I talk kind of about that whole race workout thing. Then he's got an explanation of all the different workouts that he's got here. And there are a number of... he, he decreases the swim intensity last. So the first thing he cuts back on is running. Second thing he cuts back on is biking. And then finally, only in the last week, does he cut back on swimming. And of course, since I haven't actually been really swimming very much, I uh, don't really have to cut back on that. In fact, if anything, I need to, to start swimming more. And But what I want to tell you about is the these four bricks... So there are two weeks, and starting on the Friday of that first peak week, so it's near the end, is the first brick workout, then two days of recovery between, and then Monday, which is today, I did my second brick workout, then I'll have two days of recovery, then Thursday will be my next one, and then next Sunday will be my last of these four bricks. So up until now, I've been doing, or supposed to have been doing a brick Every weekend um, after my long ride, I would do like a two to three hour ride and then I'd just do a, just a 15 minute run. Now, these are really specific. So it's kind of cool. And I, I've, so far I've done two of them and I felt awesome. Now he has the same uh, workout no matter what race you're doing, whether you're doing a sprint, Olympic, half iron or Ironman. And the only difference is the duration of the brick um, changes. You just, you know, a sprint, you do a one one hour, five minute brick and an Ironman, you do two fifteen. So that's an example of the first one. So b- bike run combined workout, which is what I did on Friday. Well, actually Saturday morning. It started up with 20 minutes of gradually increasing effort and gearing on the bike. And so you just get out there and you start getting warmed up, but it's not just like a spin, 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 do nothing. You want to work pretty hard. And then uh, 15 minutes at goal race intensity. And I was just going basically my kind of what I expect my average speed and my heart rate to be during the race. So it was only 15 minutes hard. And that's just a pretty short 35-minute bike ride. Then I transitioned into a run. And the run was a long run. I did uh, six times nine minutes at uh, race pace and uh, with a one minute walking recovery so nine minutes race pace one minute walk nine minutes race pace and that's obviously for a full hour and then five minutes of easy running or walking as a cool down and so I did that uh, Saturday morning and I f- felt really really good and in fact I was expecting my pace I-, I don't really know what my race pace should be for the run because my last year, I ended up walking so much, I didn't really have a goal. My race pace for the half marathon that I've done recently, I think, was about 620 kilometer. And I was thinking, well, I'll have to be slower than that. So I've kind of been thinking I would do kind of aim between 630 and even 7-minute kilometer. I'd still be happy to have anything under two and a half hours. But uh, I was just feeling so good. I was doing faster. I was running like 615, which is... A little under a 10-minute mile. And uh, so hopefully that's um, how it's going to go. So now I had my second one today, and I was a little bit concerned because my ankle's been a little bit sore, but um, and I only had one rest day in between instead of two. But I made sure I stayed off my feet altogether yesterday. So today, um, this was a bike-focused one. I did 10 minutes warm-up on the bike, and then... Uh, six 10-minute intervals at uh, goal, at race pace on the bike with three-minute spinning recoveries in between. And I tried to stay on a course that's similar to what I'll do down in Oliver. I just couldn't be bothered to drive all the way down to Oliver again. It's about an hour and a half drive, and I just didn't want to. I've done the course twice now, so I stayed at home. 
Um, I have a kind of a loop that has a lot of right turns, not too many intersections, and has one kind of challenging hill, but mostly flat. I'd like to find kind of rolling because the Oliver course is a, is very gently rolling, but uh, it's it's not a hard course, so um, I think it's about as close as I can get. After I did that, that was about an hour and a half of riding, and I felt really good, and I, I um, posted all my my whole workout up on uh, Daily Mile as well. And then transitioned again into a 30-minute run at goal pace. This time, no walk break, so just 30 minutes. How fast can you run for 30 minutes? Um, well, at goal race pace. So again, I was a little lost. I thought, well, gee, you know, I've done my last three runs in my bricks have been about 6.15. So I thought, well, maybe I'll kind of see. So I figured, well, let's just see. Maybe I can do a 6.15 today when I have a 30-minute run. And I just found right off the bat I was running way faster than that. So I reined it in a bit because I'm just so hyper-cautious, aren't I? And I ended up with a 6.06 average, and I was pretty happy about that. Just a little bit over 30-minute 5K. So... And I felt like I probably could have kept going. I think I could have, I don't know, like, could I carry that on for a full half marathon? Hard to say. So I'm still mulling over what am I going to do? Uh, what pace am I going to try and go have, have as a goal for the, for the race? So I have two more days. Um, tomorrow I'm going to think I'll swim and, and, um, actually no, tomorrow I'm going to have off and then Wednesday I'm going to swim and then Thursday I have another workout. This time it's, uh, uh, run focus again and it's a little bit shorter this time it's only an hour and 20 minutes including bike and running and again it's um nine minute intervals with the one minute walk recovery and then the last one is next sunday and actually next sunday is uh, the metric century ride that we have here up in it's actually just north of Kelowna in armstrong and eric and i always go and it's a really we kind of race this 100k but uh, because it's a week before my race, I, I can't do it. But uh, I did sign up for the 56K, and I'm not even going to do all of that. What I'm going to do is just take my running shoes, and I'll go out and bike with some of the people for a little while. I'll try to do my um, my intervals you know, as best I can. Then I'm going to ride back, turn around and ride back to the car, and I'll do my 20-minute uh, run. So that's all I've got to do. So it's a little bit less again. And then I'll just have to sit around while Eric does the, and wait for Eric to come back from doing his, his hundred kilometer ride. Lucky guy. Wish it wasn't the weekend before my, my race. Cause I really love that ride. It's a beautiful ride up there. Uh, all right. So that's kind of the way the peak thing is working. And then in between that, um, I do have some swims to do. And there, he's also got some recovery bike rides in between that uh, aren't necessary, but you can do them. But uh, for the most part, I'm just skipping the recovery rides because that's one of the things he talks about in here is is having to know your own body and what uh, your limiters are. And he talks about, um, especially with running, a lot of times he says, you'll be walking a thin edge here between maintaining, maintaining run fitness and recovering for your next race light race like section but you have options if you're not recovering well and so because my ankle hurts and my foot hurts every time i run not a lot but just a little bit i'm going to just really take my rest in between and not do anything else uh except for swim so i'm going to do these four bricks and swim and that's it and i think that's this whole book is you know i haven't been able to follow it exactly but it's i think it's been really really good and of course it is intended to be for serious triathletes um you know elite triathletes and so you have to adapt it to suit you know me who's really only been doing this for four or five years and also uh, at my age and the fact that i'm a woman and you know just all these um other aspects of of Kelowna girl ness <laughs> and my you know, close to injury. He's he really talks a lot about um, what to do if you are very breakable. He says, and if you get injured easily, he's always telling you to cut this out, cut that out if you have to, because you know, the most important thing is to avoid injury. All right, so that's my training and uh, the way things look for the next week or so, and then next weekend I'll 
uh, I'll try really hard to record another show and I will talk about the race week, which is what do I have to do in that last week before the race? So what is a taper according to Joe Friel in this book? Not sure I can do it all, to be honest. All right. I have a race report to share with you. And this is from Bob. No, not Bob. Sorry. Todd. Where are we? Done. My first try. Hey, Barb. Thanks to you and your podcasts and to the Run Try Chat con- contributors for all the excellent insight and motivation. You've all helped me in so many ways. I finished my first try this last weekend, the Conquistadors Sprint Try in Vero Beach, Florida. I hope I pronounced all that right. It's on the East Coast, about an hour south of Cape Canaveral, where the shuttle launches. And he even gave me a link of where the race is here. Now, Todd is, is an awesome guy for many reasons, because not one of which is he's always um, clicking on uh, my workouts, liking my workouts and stuff on Facebook and leaving comments. He's like really, he really motivates me to do things. And I appreciate that. But also he converted everything in this email into the metric system for me. Like that's just so awesome. And so now I will give you both uh, metric and the, um, what is it called? The American version. I can't think of what it is. Statute or whatever. Anyways, here's his race report. The race was 25.5K, which had a 500-meter swim, 0.3 miles. And it was in the ocean. Ooh, you know, I've never swum in the ocean at all, eh? I've never been in the ocean swimming. Never. I don't even know what. I would freak out, I'm sure. Something else to learn one day, I guess. It had a 20K bike, which is 12 miles. And a 5K run, which we all know is 3 just a little over three miles. He, uh, I love this. I used my pancake philosophy. And it goes like this. The first pancake nearly always comes out either overcooked or undercooked or shaped weird or just doesn't flip right. So you just toss it out and then they get better from there. Uh, so that's kind of the way he's looking at his, his triathlon being that it's his first. And I think he actually ended up with a pretty nice looking pancake if you ask me. My goals for the race were number one, have fun. Two, don't walk or break my pace. And three, finish. And, you know, I think it's good to have really realistic goals on your first race um, because you're just more likely to enjoy it and have um, and feel successful at the end and be motivated to do more, which is exactly what happened with Todd. So to continue, it says, the day started great. It was 21 Celsius, 70 Fahrenheit, with one meter or three foot swells at 10 second intervals. And so there were some rollers and a bit of body surf or surf breaking that you had to do to get past it. The water temperature was 24 Celsius, which is 75 Fahrenheit. So it was actually warmer in the water than on the beach. No wetsuits needed for this try. I came in the top third of my group for the swim and then had a fast ride, except halfway back on the ride, a strong front blew through. Spring fronts in South Florida blow through in an hour or two, but they often have high winds, heavy rain, sometimes small tornadoes and lightning. The wind gusts this time were 64 to 80 kilometers an hour, 40 to 50 miles per hour. And I saw one bike rider blown from the right side of the lane into the middle of the road while crossing an intersection when the wind was really gusting. I can't even imagine. What an epic ride that must have been, Todd. As I started the run, it began to rain really hard along with gusty wind. Yuck, it felt more like a muddy buddy race. But the air temperature was still 21 Celsius. Fortunately, there was no lightning. I made it through the run a bit slow, but I finished the try and met all my goals. I finished fifth in my age group. That's just awesome for your first try. Absolutely awesome, Todd. At uh, an hour and 26 minutes. And he's 50, by the way. So another 50 to 54 fellow. Uh, by the time I finished, the folks who had already finished had either gotten in their cars or just packed up and left because of the yucky weather. The next day I felt great, only some small aches and pains, and now I know what I can improve on the next time. I can't wait to do it again. Oh, and by noon that day there were blue skies and white fluffy clouds, light winds, and the temperature was already up to 27 Celsius, 80 Fahrenheit, with plenty of humidity. That's Florida. Barb, come on down and skip those freezing swims. Uh, Todd knows what uh, how cold the water was. I was bitching about it. And uh, he knows about my, my uh, sprint tries temperature. 
Uh, and then he signs off. Keep up the great podcast. I hope to meet you at a try someday. So excellent job. Thanks very much, Todd. And uh, if I, I love getting the 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 race report. So if anybody's done a race recently or it's your first one or it's your 15th one, doesn't matter. Send us in your report because it's always fun to uh, listen to other people and how things have gone for them. And, and we all learn from each other, right? So thank you very much. What else do I have? I have a few more shout outs here. I'm just going to get to the right page. I'm going to jump into KG Tries Podcast Listeners Group. If you go to kelownagirl.com, you can see a, a bunch of links on the right-hand side of the page that tells you how to you know, just click on them and you can get to the Facebook page or any of the other spots like Daily Mile or wherever I happen to hang out. So um, feel free to pop in there and join our little group here. So in the KG Tries Podcast Listeners Group, uh, like three weeks ago, I asked people if anyone had any triathlon questions they wanted me to discuss this week. That was three weeks ago. And I fully intended, I really did, to get a show out that weekend, and then I just didn't. So here are the questions. Rob, and hopefully you guys still actually want, haven't found out the answers yet, so I can actually give you the help. Rob said, how tight is your wetsuit supposed to fit? What is too tight? And, you know, that's a good question, Rob, because the first time I tried on a wetsuit, it was a little bit too small, but I knew they're supposed to be tight, so I wasn't sure. And, I mean, it took me forever to get it zipped up, but I did. I got it zipped up, and then I stood there, and it was so tight, I couldn't believe it. And I looked at my hands, and they were sort of getting kind of bit puffy, and they were starting to turn blue, as were my feet. And, okay, so this was obviously cutting off my circulation a little bit. I mean, it wasn't in a danger mode, but it's obviously too tight to um, to wear for any length of time or to swim in. Um, different suits fit differently, and that was a size small. I ended up trying on a different brand and still a size small, and it fit quite comfortably. It's still tight. They're not easy to get on, so it can be kind of deceiving. You might think it's too small when you first start pulling it on. You have to be super careful as you slide it up inch by inch, um, and you kind of grab pieces or handfuls of it and pull up, and then handful and pull up a little further. If you Google uh, or on YouTube uh, how to put on a wetsuit, you can kind of see somebody doing it, and it gives you a bit of an idea on how to do it. Uh, Good idea to cut your nails first, too. But uh, so, like I say, it's not easy to get them on, but it shouldn't cut off your circulation. I read somewhere, and I don't know if this is true, but uh, if you lay it on your stomach after you have your wetsuit on and zipped up, if you can lay on your stomach and get someone to try and grab a handful of your wetsuit, and if they can grab a handful around your small of your back and like lift up a, a handful, then it's too big. I think it's quite possible for people to have them too big as well. The best bet even if you plan to buy a used wetsuit, is to go into a store where they sell wetsuits and try on, you know, the range. You know, if you're if you're a large, then try a medium, a large, an extra large. If you're a medium, try a small, medium, and large, and just feel the various sizes. Um, it should be snug, but not cutting off your circulation, okay? The other thing is when you get in the water, make sure you get some water inside your wetsuit because uh, that water gives a little bit of a kind of a coating between you and the wetsuit and your body temperature warms up that water too but uh, you'll find that if you don't get water inside it can feel tighter it'll feel too tight around your chest Um, that's another area where you might you'll kind of know if a wetsuit fits very well if you can take if you can take a deep breath and still feel comfortable imagine that you're now exercising you're you've got to be able to have that range of motion with your arms I mean actually sit there and in the air and move your arms around to see how does it feel can you can you swim in this and um, when you get your arms moving uh, and you're working out really hard so that you're breathing heavily can you still feel comfortable breathing these are all important things you need to do Uh, sometimes it might be worthwhile even to rent a wetsuit and then go down and swim in it a couple of times and just see how it feels if you're going to make a big investment uh, you do want to make sure it's that's the right size for you. All right, so I ended up buying a used one myself, and uh, the one that I got, uh, I think, is is a pretty good fit. All right, another question. Eric asked, um, this is Vegan Running Dad, 
He said, if you if you're using a road bike for triathlons and you get clip-on aero bars, should you get refitted, uh, or should you get your bike fit again? Um, and he asked, is that even a word? Can the bike be adjusted such that some of the running muscles are spared, just like the geometry of a tri bike? Bike. And that's a great question. So actually, I have a road bike that I have clip-on aero bars, and I just got my bike fitted. And I think I mentioned that a couple of shows ago. And what um, Rob said, this is my uh, my coach friend, Rob Swan, uh, from Critical Performance. He's the one that did the bike fit. And he said, my bike fit, when I first came in, he said, it's great for a road bike. There's nothing wrong with the way my bike fit was. But he changed it to be more suitable for triathlon and it was for that exact reason um it was to to make it more like the geometry of a tri bike and to um just give my running muscles a little bit um a little bit more rest i guess you can say i'm actually I was just starting to wonder today in fact if perhaps the reason that i'm feeling so good running off the bike for the last three or four uh bricks that I've done is because my bike fit is changed. I wonder if that's why. So how did he change it? He pulled my seat more forward because the idea when you have aero bars and you're make, putting aero bars on a road bike is that you want your body um, more forward and your weight on on your arms, basically. And uh, you want them kind of at a, your shoulders and arms at more of a right angle. So he brought my seat forward and he raised my seat up higher as well. So it just put me into a more aerodynamic position. And uh, I've so far, he couldn't go quite as far as I wanted. I wanted my seat a little higher, but uh, my seat was as high as it could go, given the post that I have on my bike. So yes, Eric, and you may not have to actually get it fitted, but it, I think it is a good idea to have a professional bike fit if you can afford it. Um, they have, you know, you don't have to get the super duper $600 bike fit. You can get the $100 one if you want. Um, but given that, if you don't want to, at least uh, raise your seat, bring it forward a bit more and see if you can take some photos of yourself and then Google what an aerodynamic position looks like. And you can probably sort of line yourself up and get some idea if you think it's close. So I uh, hope that helps. If that doesn't make sense, um uh, you know, email me or ask again and I can add some more. Carlos, Carlos the Jackal. He says, how come tries always start with a swim? And, uh, you know, Carlos, a lot of people wonder that. And I know the first, very, very first triathlon actually had a bike and a run and a swim and they were all mixed up. They would, they biked a little bit, they ran a little bit, then they swam and then they ran and they swam and they ran and they swam. They were doing this like a whole, like, I don't know how many legs there were six or seven or eight legs but ultimately once they decided on how they were going to do it they started with the swim and most people believe um, that the main reason they do the swim first is because it's the most dangerous and so you're the freshest freshest that you can be you're not tired and you haven't been out riding for 100 or 200 miles and coming in and jumping on to um into the into the lake and having to swim after you're exhausted so they would kind of start with the most dangerous and then the next dangerous and then the least dangerous. So that's the that's the common knowledge and the common thinking. Um, there are reverse triathlons, though. You can go out and you can do a, a swim first, then you run and then you bike. Or no, I, I said that opposite, sorry. You run, then you bike, then you swim. Yeah, that's it. That's what opposite is. Okay, Jason, Jason, uh, Jason Glant from Mainly Triathlon actually asked me, what are some of my pre-race and workout fueling and what do I do for my race fueling? So um, I think I've, I mentioned this before, but uh, I can't do like Gatorade and the sweet sports drinks of any brand. I've tried a, a bunch of them and they always make me feel kind of nauseous and the sugar just doesn't work for me. I don't like it. don't like the taste. It's too sweet, sickly, and uh, it just makes me feel kind of sick. So I quite early on switched to uh, separating my electrolytes and my fuel. And what I tried was to find something that was really neutral on the stomach. So you can try this. If you find that um, that you have GI issues, you might want to try what I do. Uh, when I'm on the bike, I have all liquid nutrition. 
I use Noon or I use uh, Endurolite's Fizz, the hammer product. And they are kind of a light tasting, slightly fizzy, but oh my goodness, you barely, barely notice. Um, very, very light flavor though, so they don't taste sickly sweet and they have no sugar in them. Basically, they are just electrolytes with a little bit of flavor. I like the mango, the grapefruit, the citrus types are my favorites. There's some disgusting flavors there as well. There's even a Coke flavor, and I'm not one for drinking flat Coke on a race, but maybe someone who likes Coke, Coke is, would enjoy it. But anyways, um, and then, and what I like about these is you can just pop them into your water bottle. You can put one or two tabs. You decide how much you want. Noon has more salt in it, and the Adrenalites Fizz have less. So if uh, you normally have to take salt, you can kind of figure out whether or not you would actually need to take it if you're taking Noon. Um, and then for for fuel, uh, I either take, I use Carbo Pro, which is a pure white powder, and it's just pure carbohydrates from vegetables, and uh, it mixes really easily into water. You do have to stir or shake it a little bit, but because um, if you just dump it in, it'll make a lump in the bottom. But other than that, it just mixes pretty easily into your bottle. And so, I like on my half iron, I have uh, my aero bottle, which is about a liter, and then I have two... 750 ml water bottles on the back of my seat. They'll all be filled preset, and I don't have to stop anywhere to get any refills. And then I can just grab the bottles from behind my seat and turn them upside down and squeeze them into my aero bottle while I'm riding. And uh, it works pretty well. Um, so uh, the other thing I like about that is one scoop of Carbo Pro, which is the powder I use, is about 112 calories. So you can decide on how many calories you need per hour and about how much you drink in an hour. I find I drink all three of those bottles in a three and a half hour uh, 90k race. So um, the downside is, you know, if you tend to not, if it's too hot and you're drinking more or it's too too cold and you're drinking less, um, you know, you have to be careful because you may not get enough fuel that you need. Uh, might be good to have a gel on the bike with you as well, just in case. So when I get off the bike, uh, I when I'm running on my long runs, I do a handheld bottle and I find I can fill it up once midway on a half marathon and that's all I need, my handheld. So it's about a little over a liter of water I drink. And then I just carry uh, a, a couple of noon tablets or well one noon tablet or one Endurolite's electrolyte tablet with me and so I just drop it in the bottle when I'm filling it up and then just for variety and also for simplicity's sake I take gel when I'm racing on the on the long runs and so I would take uh one gel every 45 minutes is what's worked for me so far and it does give me that extra kick I really like the espresso ones with the caffeine um and so far I've taken them even so I've had three gels with caffeine every 45 minutes on my uh, half marathon so that's probably what I'll do for this race too and again I mixed it up with water so I have it on the run um, so I probably will take one even just before my run just at the end of the bike I think I'll take one of those so that's my pre-race and well actually not my pre-race uh, pre-race I I you know, I just have to eat stuff. I have a really sensitive stomach, so I got to eat stuff that's not going to be bothering my gut. And I'm usually too nervous in the morning, so I tend to eat just some yogurt and banana in the morning. And I tend not to have very much. If I don't eat enough breakfast or I feel like I can't, I'll I'll have a gel in the morning just before the race too. And I'll do that maybe 15, 10, 15 minutes before I go in the water. And it's not because I need the fuel so much as it's just kind of like breakfast, you know. Uh, after the race, I always drink, um, at least a cup, maybe two cups of chocolate milk and four branch chain amino acid, um, capsules. Just my previous coach, um, recommended taking BCAA, uh, as coach Brian. And, uh, I've been taking that after all my hard workouts and it's supposed to help with, um, build, rebuilding your muscles. And then I usually try and have a, a decent meal because I'm almost always starving by the time I get back from any kind of workout because I usually do it in the morning and I haven't had much breakfast, so it's usually time. All right, so hopefully that helps, Jason. Uh, feel free to ask more questions if it doesn't make sense. 
And then John asked, and here, here's what he said. When I transition from bike to run, my legs feel tight and wobble. I try to get into quick quad or calf stretch before I start running, but it doesn't help much. Any ideas on how to make that transition easier and get back into a normal, comfortable running style? So, John, you know, I, I really think it's just a matter of, of repetition. Um, I think, I know I always felt like that. I didn't do enough bricks my first year or two. And then... And my legs felt like absolute cement, like I could barely move them. And then even last year, my first couple of bricks are just super, super tight. I'm now finding, because I've done about, I don't know, six or seven bricks this season, that I just I'm a, I just don't even notice it anymore. My friend Carmel, who's uh, quite an accomplished triathlete, um, she says she finds that the biking, her her runs after, after biking are actually better than her runs... Um, that are just cold because she's warmed up. So I think that's kind of interesting. So John, I have, um, sometimes when I get off, if I'm, when I was used to feel really tight, I would walk a little bit at first just to get my legs kind of moving, you know, so depending on how important time is to you, um, there's a hill at the beginning of my sprint. And so I sometimes walk up that hill just to get started. And I have actually stopped and stretched my calves in the middle of a race a couple of times when I felt they were just too tight and I just found that quick calf stretch made a big difference. I just went up to a curb and stuck my toes, my upper ball of my foot on the curb and my heel on the ground and then just leaned forward and stretched my calf. And um, I did find that helped me a lot actually. But John, other than than just getting out there and try to do a 15-minute run um, after a bike ride once a week, and you'll probably find that that after three or four bricks that you do in a row, you'll find it's um, a big improvement. That's my guess. It's my take on it so far. Okay, so those are all the amazing questions. Thanks so much to John and Jason and Carlos and Eric and Rob for all those excellent questions. Um, if anybody else has questions, uh, you can email me, you can Twitter me, you can leave a message on Facebook. Um, remember, you know, these are just my opinions. They may not be the exact right answer. I'm just telling you what works for me. And whatever works uh, for other people isn't always exactly the same thing. All right. Uh, let's see. What else have I got on my list? A couple of shout-outs. I want to shout-out to Michael Runner. Um, I don't know if he actually listens to the show, but I wanted to shout-out to him anyways because he just finished his first duathlon, and he's been training for triathlons as well. So uh, he just had a great duathlon, his first one, and I think he really enjoyed it. So hopefully he'll get out there and do some more. Uh, shout-out to Brent B-Hop, just because I was chatting with him the other day and I want to say hi. Uh, shout-out to Richard, who lives down in Auckland, because I was just checking out his blog, and he is training for Kona. Holy moly. And somebody else I chat with off and on on Facebook, on uh, Twitter is Roy Boy. So shout out to Roy Boy. Uh, he actually asked me if I have a handlebar basket and um, a bell on my bike, but no, I'm afraid I don't. Does my um, I bet you my uh, bento box qualifies as a basket? Don't you think? Yeah, sure. Um, comments on my blog. Thank you very much to Mike and. Glenn and oh my god I can't read my own writing oh that just says comments blog comments anyways Glenn and Mike thanks very much for comments um and Glenn good guy actually both you guys are good guys oh thanks to Edwards Edward on Facebook who gave me a link to more information about uh, the torn labrum stuff labrum and um really interesting so some good information I hadn't seen before so that was helpful thank you and uh dare to try Dare to Try Life, John, uh, who just did the Paris Marathon. And and I read, I, I didn't read the whole race report, but I read parts of it. And uh, it looked like he did like 313, like a marathon. Holy cow, super fast. And how cool is it, like Chad and John, to be going out and doing marathons in places like Paris, France, or Rome, Italy. Like, oh my gosh, what an awesome, awesome thing to do. So, um... Yeah, I think that's pretty well it on that list. Did my race report, answered questions, talked about Peak Week, shout-outs. I think I'm done. Yeah, and it's not a moment too soon. So I'm really frustrated because my hard drive is super, super, super full. And so what happened, my last two shows, 
this one and the last one. I recorded the whole thing. As soon as I went to save it, I think it just kind of went into protection mode and it couldn't save it fully. So instead of saving it um, because there wasn't enough room to save it, it saved it in 8-bit instead of 16-bit, which may or may not mean anything to you, but doesn't really matter. The point is with 8-bit, the, the show is blank. There is no sound and I cannot recover it. So I had to re-record the whole thing. It just makes me mental. So I think uh, I just re- just dumped a whole pile of stuff off my hard drive and I'm going to go buy some more uh, memory for my har- a bigger hard drive or something. I'm going to go f- do something to this computer because it needs some help. Apparently 300 megabytes isn't enough space when you have a 300 gigabyte hard drive. What I need is a terabyte. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to sign out. If you want to get a hold of me, it's colonagirl at gmail.com. K-E-L-O-W-N-A-G-U-R-L. If you just go to colonagirl.com, you can find links to everywhere. So go to add me on Daily Mile or on Facebook. I'm I'm on Facebook as myself, Colona Girl Tries. And you can also join the Facebook group if you want to interact with other listeners and stuff. There's not tons of us, but there are enough and we like to chat. I usually ask questions on there too or um, get some feedback. So helpful. And, uh, you know, I haven't put out a show lately, but uh, check out the Run, Try, Chat podcast because uh, there's some cool interviews and chats with other podcasters out there. All right, have a great week, and next week is race week. Ah! Bye-bye. The sun must set to rise.
The sun must say